Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the People Project Podcast. I am your host, Kelsey Klein, and each week I will be bringing you episodes on different topics that affect us all in different ways, internally, externally, or sometimes both. I created this podcast to talk about people because I believe everyone has a story worthy of being told. Here we get real and honest, and some topics will be funny and lighthearted, but some will be very important and serious. It's all about balance. Think of it as therapy from a distance. We are all here to learn and to grow together. Last week, I was joined by Allie Evans, and we talked about failing upward, not letting your failure be the end, but the beginning of your story. This week's episode will be on perception versus reality, and I will be joined later by my friend Liz to discuss her experiences. So I started my research this week trying to better understand how I perceive myself, how other people perceive me, and then also how I perceive other people versus how they perceive themselves. And I reached out to a few friends and they helped me out by answering some questions. And the general consensus was this, that perception is not reality, but instead it's like your reality. And... How you feel you are perceived and how you perceive yourself doesn't always match up with how other people see you. And actually, more often than not, it's the opposite. And we tend to be really harsh with our own self-perception. So I started thinking about why is that? Why is it harder for us to be kind or gentle to ourselves than it is for us to be that way with other people? And, you know, maybe it's a defense mechanism or maybe it's just the way we actually think we are. But regardless, we've got to be kind to ourselves. So perception of reality depends largely on what you see and what you're shown. We all exist on the same physical planet, but I think our perspective varies due to a lot of different factors. So think about this. We all differ in what we believe in, our political views, favorite movies, tastes, preferences, etc. But we can agree that we exist within the same reality, right? So we may see the same things, hear the same sounds, whatever. But we all form different realities based on our unique perception of whatever that thing may be. So this can influence how we process or understand or act on reality. And most people tend to assume that they can perceive the world the same way that other people do, that everyone's perception is the same. And they feel that way because they cannot see past their own interpretation of what reality is. And so they automatically assume that their view of the world is everyone's view. So bear with me here. Perception and reality have two very different meanings. Perception is based on your interpretation of reality, while reality is objective. And perception's not reality, but it can become someone's reality because their interpretation has a huge influence on how they look at said reality. So psychologists use the term cognitive biases to explain the ways that humans tend to create what's called subjective social reality, and that isn't necessarily objective reality. And after this theory came to be, some philosophers thought that it really doesn't actually exist. Instead, it's a subjective construct, and no one person experiences reality directly. Insert mind-blown emoji here. And so if we take a closer look at the perceptual process, it can be broken down into five distinct layers. Observation, selection, organization, interpretation, and response. And each of these is driven by internal and external factors. Personality, mental health, experiences, social constructs, the way you were brought up, what have you. How we perceive things is our choice. If you're confronted with a different or new perspective, learn about it, embrace it, expand your perception, because what's the worst thing that can happen? You learn more about somebody else, you grow more as a person, that is never a bad thing. All right, I'm going to take a little break and get myself some more coffee, and when I get back, 
I'll be joined by my friend Liz Jimenez. Hi, Liz. Hello, good evening. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to virtually sit down with me and talk about your life. Of course. So I guess to get started, why don't you tell everyone who you are, where you're from, insert Backstreet Boys lyrics here, (laughs) uh, (laughs) what you do for a living, all that good stuff. Okay, my name is Liz Jimenez. I'm 33 years old. I'm currently living in Boca Raton, Florida with my puppy, Walt, who will be three very soon. (laughs) Um, And I am a South Florida native. Uh, I lived in Florida most of my life, minus like four years that I lived in Georgia. And uh, yeah, came back home, went to law school, and um, I got my degree in 2017. And I've been working at a small firm where we do construction business and real estate litigation for almost four years now. That's so so exciting. As you can tell, (laughs) I'm an attorney. Um, (laughs) And that is what I do for a good chunk of my time. So So when you're not being a killer attorney, what are you doing? (laughs) I am at home, like I said, with Walt, with my puppy. I enjoy reading. Um, I'm a runner. I am also now a Peloton person. So <laughs> a Peloton person. <laughs> that, <laughs> whatever, pandemic, whatever that means. The pandemic gave me two things. It gave me Walt and it gave me a Peloton. So I mean, it's not all bad. It's not. It's yeah, you not. Gotta t- you got to find the little good things that happen, too. You know, I I like my Peloton. I did a pop punk ride the other day. Ooh. Yeah, it was great. That's was 30 awesome. minutes just rocking out. So, I love it. Uh, yeah, for, for those of you that don't know uh, Liz or myself personally, we are very much into the same music. And I am kind of known a little bit for my chaotic playlists on Spotify. <laughs> and oh. <laughs> so... Uh, if you've never used Spotify, like on a desktop computer, you can see what your friends are listening to. So we'll like throughout the day, like take a picture and send it and be like, hey, you okay? You've listened to All Too Well by Taylor Swift like six times in a row. Like you good. And the other day I was listening to, I think it was a bad religion song. And Liz texted me and she was like, who hurt you? <laughs> I was like, I'm fine. It's just the name of the album. It's fine. <laughs> but so we we have a good time semi-roasting each other for the music we listen to but we also listen to all the same music so it's fun like it's nostalgic but we still listen to the same music that we listened to when we were in high school um (laughs) and probably will forever so you know I don't really know what that says about us but uh, I have about the same seven songs in rotation all right so I guess Liz maybe we should let everybody in on how we met um (laughs) Because Liz and I met on the internet. This sounds like it's like a dating ad. Um, Liz and I met on the internet um, in March of 2020. Um, Our friend Cody started a book club. And I love to read. Liz loves to read. We joined this book club. And we didn't know anybody in it. Like, we didn't even really know Cody. Like, we knew him from the internet because we, like, followed him on Instagram and whatever. But we were just, for whatever reason, and me and Liz are both very shy people naturally. So, I don't know what possessed us to be like, let's join a book club with people that we don't know at all. But we did it. And we made some really amazing friends out of this. Like, it's it's been wild. And... Um, we actually met in person last September, um, because Liz being so close to Disney, she is an annual pass holder. So she's there all the time and I live vicariously through her. And so uh, we, me and Liz and a few of our other friends, we met up last September. We had the best time. It was absolute chaos, um, (laughs) but it was so much fun. And so it's just, it's so funny to me. And I talked about this a little bit in the last episode, like how, you think of like the internet immediately as like a negative thing almost just because of how that's kind of, I guess, ingrained in us is like, you know, social media is bad and it does this to your mental health and whatever. And that's, that's true. Like there are negatives to social media, but without Instagram, 
I would not have joined that book club. I would not have made the friends that I made. And we, the books that we read, they were a lot about like self-reflection and personal growth. And I would not be the person I am now if if I had not gone on that personal journey in 2020, like through the lessons that I learned in that book or those books. So those books, those books changed my life. Yeah, for sure. They started my journey on this like self realization thing that I don't think I would have pushed myself to go through in a pandemic right when we were already going through so many other right. things but like I had nothing else to do right and I mean they've literally they literally changed my life like yeah. I am a completely different person and what I do on a day-to-day basis even now like mm-hmm. what I did this morning to get ready you know to do this was based off some of those books that we read yeah so. It, yeah so shout out cody uh you're the best um so so that's our little story of how we met so as an attorney liz how does perception play a role in your job each day well i will give you the lawyer answer of it depends um what <laughs> that's so safe it depends it depends um what perspective I guess a client comes to us with Mm -hmm. so we either get people who are so I have a million dollar case it is the best thing ever let me tell you how I was unjustly criminalized and (laughs) all these things and we're sitting here listening and we're like uh, yeah, ma'am, I don't know how to tell you this, but you have no case. <laughs> I appreciate that you are very emotionally upset, but um, pain and suffering is not <laughs> a real thing that we can sue for based <laughs> off a contract. <laughs> um, or we get the opposite side of people who are being sued mm-hmm. and they think it's the end of the world and they're like, I, you know, I didn't do anything wrong and I, you know, I did all these things and mm-hmm. I don't know why these people are coming after me. And we're like, no, you're right. We don't know why you're coming. They're coming after you, mm-hmm. you know, like it's actually true. We have a good case and you know, we'll take it. And so I think it's a lot of my job is putting reality back into people's perspective mm-hmm. on their situation. Mm-hmm. So they come in thinking, you know, X, Y, or Z, but the law is very real and yeah. it's a reality that we live with. So it's very much like, I'm sorry that you feel this way, but on paper, you don't have anything. Right. The law isn't uh, something that can be flexible to perception. Like the law is the law. You right. can you can feel a certain way about something. This can be how right. you see something and yeah. it can be affected by the law, but you can't change the law because you feel like it sucks. Right. <laughs> There's a lot of things I'd love to change because I think they suck, but exactly. you can't. Right. So I think that, you know, it takes, I won't say that, it, I, and I think this is a perception that people have of lawyers that we're like these emotionalist robots. It's not that. It's literally our job to look at things in a logical, rational way Mm -hmm. and tell you, I appreciate that you feel this way, Mm -hmm. but like my boss likes to say this a lot. He's like, I don't do justice. I do money. That sounds (laughs) Um, like Alice. And it's, it's like it, he means it in a way of like, we don't do feelings. Like feelings cost money. Mm -hmm. Like there's sometimes where people want to take, something through because they're emotionally angry at someone mm-hmm. and they just want to spike them yeah uh, we'll do it but i mean it, you know what i mean like sometimes you can't like right. and it's it's the perception that people come with like have the feelings hurt and they mm-hmm. want you to do something about it yeah but that's not how the legal system works no which is good <laughs> i mean yeah. we don't want yeah, the legal yeah, system based good. on emotions um but so does that do you think that you being an emotionally mature adult helps or hurts in situations like that? I would say that it helps Mm -hmm. because I don't normally go with feelings anyway. Like my gut instinct, if you listen very closely to the way I speak, on a day-to-day basis, mm-hmm. I will tell you I feel. I always lead with I think. Mm-hmm. So 
I that's just like my personality type. Yeah. I'm an INTJ. I'm a type five. Like those are all I'm always thinking mm-hmm. and I lead with my thoughts as yeah. opposed to feelings. So I think with work, sometimes it's hard because people seem annoying. Mm-hmm. Because, okay, I get that you feel this way. You've told me that six times, but there's nothing I can do about that. Yeah. Um, and that makes me sound like a not nice person. But I think it also helps because it helps you explain to people what they're not seeing mm-hmm. emotionally. Yeah, true. removing the emotion from it because Correct. you're emotionally mature enough to be like, okay, they feel this way. This is why they're so upset. They're not just like wild. This right. is this is why they feel this way. Let me help them remove this and introduce fact because this is how my brain operates and it will help the situation move along. It also helps with the type of law that I do mm-hmm. uh, because I don't do family law mm-hmm. or you know, things with, like, child dependency or, or things like that. Mm-hmm. Or state law, which is, like, you know, after people have passed, when people right. are emotionally charged, and rightfully so. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't – I deal with less of that. So, yeah. I think, so I think it's very different because we're we're dealing more with money. Mm-hmm. Um, so people get angry over their money, mm-hmm. but it's, it's a little bit less emotionally charged than, like, family law and yeah. things like that, which is why I chose – to do the field that I'm in or the specific type of law that I'm in because I know that I don't do particularly well with emotions. Mm-hmm. Uh, Which so. is funny that we're friends because I am just solid emotion all the time, but we balance well, each other well. <laughs> that goes to show you what you can, I guess, deal with in a personal perspective mm-hmm. as opposed to work. Like I love talking with my friends and helping through the, like them through problems and mm-hmm. things like that. But for work, no, no, like, <laughs> can't do it can't do it I can't do it I can't do it no um so outside of the workplace then how have you been affected by perception like positively negatively both whatever I mean, definitely both I think everybody has a story of both um I will say I mean positively I have a solid group of friends and I have a solid you know support system in my family so I think perception has helped me build that Mm -hmm. group of people around me um, in the way that I perceive people and whether or not I think they're a good person and someone for me to let into my circle. Mm -hmm. I, like I said, I'm very introverted. I'm very particular about who I let into my life Mm -hmm. just because that's my personality type. And so once I've let you in, you're stuck with me and I don't know what to tell you. Um, (laughs) But like, you know, so I think perception plays a very important part for me with that because how I perceive people, you mm-hmm. know, ultimately determines whether or not I invest my time in them. Yeah. So, and I think from like, a, I don't, I don't want to say negative perspective, mm-hmm. but from a challenging perspective okay. that I was offered the opportunity to grow from. So I am from South Florida. Um, which offered me a very unique perspective of the world in that I grew up around people who looked like me. Mm-hmm. Um, and people who look like me tend to be in a minority other places in the country. So because you're, I, a, you're a first-generation American, correct? Correct. Um, both of my parents are Colombian. Um, so I grew up, you know, I'm Hispanic. I mm-hmm. grew up... Um, speaking Spanish at the house, I still switch into Spanish without thinking about it. English was not my first language. Yes. I I mean, it is, my brain is bilingual and I, I am bilingual. And so, you know, like yesterday, even like the um, person who cleans our offices was in there and she was asking me questions and I was literally talking to my boss in English, switched to Spanish within a split second to answer her question and went back to a legal argument in English. And so I grew up with a very unique, like I said, perspective and thinking that I thought in my head, Mm -hmm. everywhere was like this. And Mm -hmm. this was, this was the world. Yeah. Because that was my perspective of the Mm -hmm. world, my little bubble of South Florida. Mm -hmm. When I went to college, (laughs) I was in for a very rude awakening in what reality was of, of life just in general Mm -hmm. but like specifically with feeling like a minority for the first time in my life Mm -hmm. because you went Uh, to georgia 
I went to Florida State. Florida State. That's right. For my undergrad, and then I did my master's degree at the University of Georgia. Okay. Um, so I have three degrees. I have a bachelor's degree in English literature, a master's degree in higher education, and my JD. Um, yeah, my dad's like, so what are you going to do next? Are you going to be a doc- like, you can be a medical doctor? And I'm right. like, no. Nah, like- <laughs> so, so I'm done. Like, I'm yeah. done with school for now. So, but no. Um, so, yeah, I was in Tallahassee, which... Right. Compared to Miami, they're not the same. No. Um, I was, you know, I was blessed with a very diverse group of friends who embraced diversity mm-hmm. and, you know, made me feel le- like not like an outsider or mm-hmm. not like a minority. But that wasn't the reality, I guess, of where I was. Like, I was very much, I very much felt like a statistic and a number in terms mm-hmm. of, like, looking at the demographics of the school. And it's not to knock my experience. I had a great experience. Um, I love my alma mater. I love my undergrad degree and my master's, you know, but it's, it still was challenging on me for the first time in my life to experience comments, experience looks. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll never forget being in a Target with my best friend from my undergrad and she's white. And this just lady just staring at me and I'm like, what? I'm like, there's something on my, sh-. like, I, I still don't know why she was staring at me, <laughs> but the only thing I can think of is that I was on the phone with my dad and I was speaking Spanish. Mm-hmm. So I, that, from this experience, I think I've developed the, the realization that I am looked at differently mm-hmm. and because I am a minority. Um, and that was not something that I had experienced as, as an adult you know, like I said, until I left South Florida. And so I will also never forget when I decided to go to the University of Georgia um, for my master's degree, I had a mentor tell me, you're in for like a very, very shocking experience when you move to Georgia. And I'm like, well, but I mean, I live here. Like, I mean, I've been in Tallahassee for four years. He's like, no. No, girl. (laughs) He's like, no. And I remember when I moved, my dad's like, where's your social security card? And I said, I don't like I don't know you gave it to me like it's somewhere in my yeah, paper, you know right. like you need to carry that and I said why and he's like because you need to be able to prove that you were born here like that oh you oh my you, gosh you know, Liz I was like 22 and I'm like what? Right. no one does that like who but he was introducing me to a very stark reality that I was not used to and so Georgia was a very interesting experience for me. I I love it, and I consider it a second home. Mm-hmm. But my master's degree really pushed me to become comfortable with my identity as a Latino woman mm-hmm. and what that meant for me and knowing and accepting that I was not going to be comfortable and safe everywhere that I went mm-hmm. and that I was going to be welcome everywhere that I went. Um did that cloud my decision to ultimately move home? Maybe. I can't give you like a yes or no answer. Mm-hmm. Did it play a role in it? I don't think it was like the ultimate, ultimate factor. Um, but I know that I'm safe here for mm-hmm. the most part. Everyone still looks like me. And even now, I live in Boca, which is five minutes from Broward County in Miami-Dade where it's a very diverse population, but Boca is predominantly white and, mm-hmm. you know, I'm more comfortable now in my identity. So when people look at me at the grocery store or ask me if I speak English, which has happened before, um, Good Lord. <laughs> I can react with more of an intelligent response as mm-hmm. opposed to an emotional response, but trust me. And I think you've heard it. Mm-hmm. Um, I get very angry once I'm removed from the situation, but, you know, but, I mean, sort of like, bring it back, I guess. Like, I had this perception of what the world was and what my role, I guess, in the world mm-hmm. was, but that was not the reality of the situation outside of the bubble that I was living in. Yeah. Okay, so... In my research, I read this. It says, perception is just the way you take things in based on senses, but also life experiences and your own history play a part as well. 
So different people bring out different things in you. Everyone perceives you in a different way, depending on when they met you, how they met you, your relationship with them, etc. So some people may see you as introverted. Some people may see you as extroverted. So that doesn't mean that you're like this wishy-washy all over the place person because all of these people see you differently. It just means that you're like still the same core person, but their perception of you is different based off of a number of factors. So, you know, like humans only know reality through perception because that's the way we view the world. Like there's no one set. This is reality. Now there's science and there's history and there's fact and there's law. And it's like this, like, yes, this is what has happened. But everything surrounding what happened is based on perception, you know? Right. Perception, I, like to me, that's just like the, the lens with which you view the world. Mm-hmm, absolutely. And so, I mean, like think about it. Like if you go to a movie theater, mm-hmm. you and I see the same movie. Right. But based on our life experiences and where we are and who we are, our biases, our mm-hmm. tastes, our, our everything, we view the movie or get a different message from the same movie that we both saw in the same theater in the same thing, but we took it in differently. Yeah. So, and that's just our perception. And yeah. That's, So I guess an example in pop culture would be music of how perception affects the way that you absorb something. So music, I could hear a song and I just like instantly like my eyeballs become like faucets and I'm just like sobbing. Um, and con- that, that's be real. Listen, contrary to popular belief, that's not every song I listen to. Okay. I was gonna say, let's be real. That's probably ninety-seven percent of the music. Okay, I that's fair. But it's different types of tears. Um, so, so like for example, that's not real. yes, it is. There's happy crying. There's sad crying. There's nostalgic crying. Whatever, Liz. It's fine. I don't cry very often. <laughs> okay. Well, if you're listening to this and you agree with me, let me know. Like, have my back because I will die on this hill. Okay. <laughs> there are levels of crying and I experience them all probably on a daily basis, but it's okay. So I can hear a song like by Taylor Swift. And to one person, it's just like, it's just another song, you know, like it either doesn't make them feel anything or they just enjoy it it makes them happy but I can take a song and relate it to a specific moment in my life and I feel like music is really powerful because you hear a song and it takes you back to where you were when you heard it for the first time or when the song was released like what was going on in your life so a song that seems like nothing to most people it takes you right back there. And that could have been a really difficult season for you. So you're, j- it just wrecks you. And, yeah. you know, like you're listening to music with somebody and they're like, this song is about love. Why are you like on the floor in a puddle? But, you know, if when you hear that, it takes you back to a really hard time in your life. I mean, like the feelings, they're just there, you know? Yeah. And so I think that music allows us to have a really healthy perspective on like our emotions, other people's emotions because, and it's very unifying. Right. Well, I mean, you know, I'll tell you like when I, and I don't even think you know this about me, but when I listen to a song for the first time or I discover a band or whatever the case Mm is, I will usually do a deep dive on the internet Hmm. and figure out what each song is about. Oh, that's interesting why so as a five which i don't want to you know only like hone in on the enneagram but i need to know why things are the way they are and Mm -hmm. why they work the way they work and so i will always when i hear a song that i like go and figure out what that song was written about Mm -hmm. or what the artist is trying to like why they wrote that song yeah so you know i think that's how i categorize music in Mm -hmm. terms of like I am feeling this emotion Mm -hmm. I need to listen to songs that I know that someone else wrote about this same emotion Mm -hmm. to help me process my feelings and bring in different perspectives Mm -hmm. of what this emotion encapsulates and ultimately what results from it well and so then insert me creating (laughs) 
<laughs> two playlists on two playlists on Spotify, one called Sad and the other called Mad. And <laughs> it's full of like songs like that, you know? Like I mean, on the Mad playlist, the first song is The Feudal by Say Anything. Like he's he's pretty mad in that one. And then on Sad, the first song is All Too Well by Taylor Swift. So but I mean, I I completely agree with you because I'm a very I'm an empathy feeler. This is not news to you. Um, and so I, for example, the album Malibu Nights by Lady. So Paul Klein wrote that song right after him and Dua Lipa broke up. And for those of you that don't know, Dua Lipa dated the lead singer of Lainey. She left him for her ex-boyfriend. We're not going to get into it because I will just have a rage blackout and no one wants to hear that. Um, but so she left him for her ex and it like broke him and breakups happen I'm sure he did things too I don't know these people so I'm not like passing judgment on anybody but he wrote this whole album of like his grief process through the relationship and so like you know there's I can't really listen to that album like solid all the way through because like in one sitting because you know you start out at the beginning And like, you know, you're just like, you're vibing. It's like, you know, really poppy and whatever. But then like it ends with Malibu Nights and it's the literal saddest song in the entire world. And like, it's like, it's just, it's so sad. But then like right in the middle, he's like angry a little bit. And he's like, you know what? Like you you suck. I don't want to love you anymore. I'm better off without you, you know, whatever. And then you go to run and it's like, you know, fine, whatever. I don't need you. Go back to that guy. It's cool. And so feeling someone else's emotions, like what you said, like you, you learning about what someone was feeling. Yeah. When I discovered that album on some random Spotify playlist before I met you that I had to go look digging for, um, (laughs) I immediately went and figured out why Paul Klein wrote this album. And I said, I need to listen to this all the time now because. This explains all of my rage that I had towards the relationship that yeah, I Yeah, well, and it's healing, you know, like music is unifying. Right. You hear a song and you're like, wow, I am not the only person in the world who has experienced this. And yeah. like, I mean, without getting into too much detail, I hear 15 by Taylor Swift. Um, and it just, it takes me back to a very hard time in my life. And, but when that song first came out, I was like, I'm not alone. Like, I'm not the only one that's had a hard time and who's been through some of the things that I've been through. And so it makes you feel like you're just not alone, you know, and you're not alone in your experiences. And if this person got through it, like you can too. Yeah. So to play on that, I, um, lost my mom when I was 13. Mm -hmm. And so I have discovered different songs that people have written either for their moms or after the experience of losing their mom. Um, One of which is R. Kelly's... Oh, why can't I think of the name of that song right now? Well, regardless. R. Kelly's problematic for many reasons, but that song got me through literally one of the hardest times of my life because Mm -hmm. he wrote it for his mom um, about five years after she passed. And I listened to it right after my mom passed. And I was like, oh, this is what's going to be like in the future. I've listened to it five years after my mom passed. Now we're on 20 years. And that song will still bring me to tears, but it's because I feel the pain that he's feeling when he's singing that song. Um, so I wish yeah. by R. Kelly. I wish by R. Kelly. And so, you know, that song, I'm telling you, it came out, it was very popular right around, my mom passed away in 2001, and it was right around that time, I think, that that song was on the radio. My brother would have to, like, mute it or, like, change the station because I, like, it. it's still to this day, it's 20 years later, and mm-hmm. it still brings audible, like, heaving. Mm-hmm. And I, I've just finished telling you how I have, very little crying in me but that song that song um the best day by taylor swift mm-hmm. i cannot i will be like screaming that song in my car and when i get to that last couple of lines just I can't. like you gotta punch the radio to turn it I, off like I, the words will not come out of my mouth yeah so it, you know 
but we that we bring those perspectives into mm-hmm. music. Yeah. Those lenses when we hear things. Um Well it's funny because to me the best day I'm like, what a sweet little song. <laughs> I'm like, oh this is so cute, like, you know, just about your family and all that and you're like meanwhile just, you know, it, feeling it a totally different way. Right. It's to me it's experiences that I never got to have with my mom. Yeah. Oh. So but that's again, different perspectives and different things yeah. that we bring in because you you did have that yeah. time with your mom right. and that's why you think it's a cute song. And right, like, exactly. Oh, yeah. And I'm like uh, that would have been nice. Yeah, right. I'm like, oh, okay, FOMO over here. Yeah. Um, and I can joke about this now. Right, like, yeah. I, I don't mean to sound insensitive or anything. Obviously, this is like my experience, but we're 20 years into it and something that I'm comfortable speaking about. Yeah. Uh, and well, and you've told I, me this before, that it's not, it's a part of your story, but it's not your story. Right. And you don't so, let it like consume you right. and define you. I'm I'm working through my journey with grief. We're 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 working on it. Hey, we're all just a work in progress, aren't we? That's what therapy is for. Yeah, shout out therapy. <laughs> <laughs> so going back to per, like personal perception, how do you think that other people perceive you when they like first meet you? Well, I can tell you because I've been told. <laughs> <laughs> I don't necessarily give the, I think, best perception or first impression. So not the warm fuzzies? No, because (laughs) I am a very (laughs) introverted person. Um, Mm -hmm. Socializing and meeting people is a little bit difficult for me. It's not my strong suit, but Mm -hmm. we're, again, we're working on it. Um, I accept that I'm not going to be the bubbly outgoing person I never will be and if I start acting like that upon meeting someone initially I'm being fake Mm -hmm. um and so because I am quiet other people who are not the same way which is a majority of people I think a lot of people are very extrovert or uh, certain levels of extrovert Mm -hmm. or at least in social settings know that it's appropriate to be extroverted Mm -hmm. (laughs) um perceive my quietness as being standoffish, not wanting to be there, and sometimes they're 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 not wrong. I <laughs> I just generally don't want to be there. Yeah. Um. But I don't mean to come off that way. Yeah. I just wholeheartedly believe, and this is just me. If I don't have anything to say, I'm not going to say something. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not going to speak just to speak. Yeah. Um. It also takes a lot for me to be able to be comfortable with somebody to express my thoughts. Um, I'm not just going to blurt them out unless I know you. Um, If I didn't know you and I didn't have the comfort level that I have with you, we probably couldn't do this. Right, yeah. We'll give you answers that just said, yes, (laughs) no, maybe. Because that's just my comfort level. And so people who don't know me will automatically tell me, like, oh, you're just, like, very mean. You're very standoffish. You're very, like, blunt, harsh. And that's not how I mean it. But that's, but just that's like, their perception. Right. Yeah. Once I get comfortable with mm-hmm. you, like, I've had people tell me, oh, you're not introverted. People have known me for, for many years. Same. Will tell me, like, but you're not, you're, like, you're not introverted. I'm like, yes, I'm not introverted with you. Right. But think back when I first met you five years ago, and I literally stared at you. Because social engagements are not my cup of tea. Yeah, well, like, I mean, I I always think about when I first moved to Bowling Green, bless my little heart, I could not have been a more awkward person. And, like, me and my friend Chelsea just laugh. We still laugh about it all the time. And I would always just, like, get in my head about everything, which I like I stay in my head about everything still but like in social situations like the first time I met Derek so I was talking to who is now my sister-in-law um just about my interest and you know my favorite band at the time was Under Oath and like who's still one of my favorite bands and I was head over heels in love with Aaron Gillespie 
um, and you know, all these different things. So I'm talking to her about this. So we're at a, we used to go bowling on, I think it was Tuesday nights. Cause it was like $5 bowling, um, when yeah. we were in college. And so Derek was there one time. So, <laughs> so I'm sitting there with my roommate and he walks over to me and he's like, Hey, I hear you like Aaron Gillespie. And my response was, yes. Like, <laughs> and he was like, he just kind of looked at me and was like, all right and just walked away (laughs) and because I was just like yes like I could not form words or because I was just like I don't know you I don't know what why are you talking to me and so and my roommates are looking at me like all right this is she's gonna be single for the rest of her life and then you know obviously something happened and Derek just saw through my nonsense or something but um, funny side story. I found out this story at our rehearsal dinner. Um, great time to find out a story like this, but <laughs> I, we used to have these like university lunches, like after church on Sundays and we were at one, one time and I was sitting at a table with my friends. We were having spaghetti for lunch. If you don't know me, you know, I love pasta. It was delicious. And so apparently was it barbecue spaghetti. No, it wasn't barbecue spaghetti, Liz. Do not come for me. <laughs> anyway, so we were eating spaghetti. I don't remember this, but it's probably true. Um, apparently I was just like staring across the room at Derek. I'm not sure if this was before I think this was before the whole like Aaron Gillespie's situation at the bowling alley. It was around the same time, but I was just like staring at him while we were both eating spaghetti, which is not an attractive food to eat. And he leaned over to our friends that were like at the table with him and was like, you see that weird girl over there? That's just like (laughs) staring at me. And they're like, yeah. He said, my luck, I'm going to end up marrying her. And here we are. <laughs> because, oh, you know, I, yeah, right. Because his perception of me in that moment was like, this girl's just staring at me while I'm eating spaghetti. Like, this is so strange. But he got to know me and realized like, oh, she's just like shy and awkward at first. Like, it's fine. She's not actually weird. I am, but I've tricked him, so nobody tell him. Um, but, As he listens to this. Um, <laughs> but, you know, like, it's just so funny hearing from other people what our perceptions, their perceptions of us are. Because yeah. I, I thought, I was like, this cool girl, like, playing hard to get, like, you know, whatever. And he was like, there was no hard to get, like, playing hard to get. Like, you were coming on strong. And, like, all of my friends from back then have told me that, too. So, whatever. Um, but I am who I am. But uh, I don't think I have really have the ability to not come on strong. I think, you know, sometimes I think, like, I'm being very, like, you know, quiet and timid and whatever. But I'm, like, at 100 all the time. I feel the same way, though. I feel that I, I come off, like, because in my head, that's who I am. Yeah. Like, in my head, I'm a very introverted, quiet, and because other people have told me yeah. that I'm quiet and weird and, you know, standoff, right. whatever, I, pers- like, everything that I do, I feel like I, I'm doing it through that lens. Yeah. But really, I'm just 100% chaos all the time. Yeah. And, but... I don't see that because I see it from the lens of everyone has told me that this is how you come Mm -hmm. off. So no matter what I do in my head, that's how it comes off. Yeah. All right. So I talked about this a little bit earlier, but to me, there are two main types of perception that go on like within us. So there's our perception of ourselves and then there's other people's perception of us that we've, e- we've either observed, we've been told about, whatever. And sometimes those, they, you know, meld well together. They match up. But sometimes they really conflict against each other. And so, like you said, you know, you being told, you know, you're, you come off standoffish, you come off negatively, whatever. But you don't feel that way about yourself. You just, like, you're just, I'm just not comfortable in this situation yet. And with me, I think, you know, I come off one certain way, but I've been told that I'm too much, that I'm too extra, I'm too loud, whatever. And so 
there are days where that pops into my mind and I'm like, I'm going to just completely withdraw. I'm not going to talk to anybody. I'm just going to sit over here in the corner and like just disappear and be invisible. And that's doing an injustice to myself and to the people who know me because the people who know me and who love me for who I am, they deserve for me to just be myself, for me not to be right. And for me not to be this like crafted version of myself because that's gross like I don't need to create a version of myself based on what other people want me to be I just need to be Kelsey and the people who love that and want to be around that they will be around it whether physically on the internet whatever and if they don't like it like they'll they'll make their way out and people are still going to say mean things people still are going to be hateful and because that's just the world we live in and people have hurt in their hearts and in their lives and they project it on other people. But that's not my responsibility. Well, and to, you know, play off what you were saying with your, what you perceive yourself as and what other people perceive your, or perceive you as and mm-hmm. the conflict with that. Prior to March of 2020, I was having probably still through 2020 and still now and you've been through this journey with me (laughs) I had no idea who I was because at this point in my life I just had been told all of these things and I about who I was I was you know I had all of these little identities that I had created for myself um within the different time periods of my life you Mm -hmm. know I am a daughter I'm an aunt I am a English literature major. I am a master's degree in higher education person. I am a lawyer. I am this. I am that. But, and with each of those personalities came different perceptions of who I was Mm -hmm. to other people. Mm -hmm. I did not know I had lost who I was to myself. Mm -hmm. And that is the journey that I took in 2020 because I had nothing else to do much like everyone else. I <laughs> well, was and all the distractions my- were gone. You couldn't. Yeah, all my distractions yeah. were gone. I was stuck in my house alone because I live alone. I didn't have the dog at the time. And even then, I mean, I can't talk. I talked to him, but he can't talk. We back. all talked to our um, dogs. Come on. But so I had nothing else to do. So I really took that time of the past year to figure out who I wanted to perceive myself Mm -hmm. as and who I wanted other people to perceive me as. Mm -hmm. And, you know, deep down, I just came out with the fact that I want other people to perceive me as somebody who loves Mm -hmm. hard, um, who also wants to be loved hard because I deserve it, Mm -hmm. um, who is helpful and who is kind. And I don't think that always comes across because I use my brain and I'm a logical person and I'm kind of blunt um, if I know mm-hmm. you, but I mean it with love and I, and I say it because I want to be helpful and I want my friends to be the best versions of themselves that I know they can be. Yeah. But I have had to learn that I have to change what I say and how I say it to different people mm-hmm. so that they can what I'm trying to be as helpful as actually helpful yeah well and I mean we're all just kind of trying to figure it out as we go you know and I think that that's the beauty of like getting to know ourselves is it's unlimited potential at the end of the day like all we have is ourselves you know we have other people in our lives where we may be dating we may be married we may be single whatever but at the end of the day it's you and you know this is something me and you have talked about a lot is my biggest concern as far as perception goes is say I post a worship song say I post a bible verse right so somebody sees that and they don't like really know me they're gonna be like oh So that girl's a Christian. She's super judgy. I don't want anything to do with her. And like that breaks my heart more than anything in the world. Because if you know me, you know I am far from judgmental. I don't care what you've done, anything about your background, whatever. Like I care about it, like from a social aspect, of course, you know, like if you're my friend, I care about you. But 
if I know you, I love you, end of story. Because I fully believe that that's who Jesus was and that's how I'm trying to be. And I don't always do a great job. I'm not a perfect person, but I try really dang hard to love people and to spread joy and light and kindness because there's so much of the opposite in the world. And so going back to to the perception though, like I understand that other people's perception of me or the church or Jesus is not my responsibility, but I may be the only interaction with that that someone has. So like, I don't need to be judgmental. I don't need to be reactionary towards things just in general, because that's not a nice way to be, but you just can't treat people badly and then be like, well, this I go to church and I believe this because that's gross and that's not what it is. And yeah. then you create a negative perception that somebody like me has to struggle against. So, like, I think that perception internally and externally on something like that sometimes doesn't match up. And so it's it kind of creates this, like, mental conflict of, like, well, who am I? What am I? What am I trying to figure out? And so, like, I guess that goes back to my Enneagram a little bit and being focused on helping and other people and not really liking to turn the lens on myself. And so, again, when everything was stripped away and there was nothing, nobody else to focus on because I couldn't go and do things with other people. Right. I had to be like, okay, do you like yourself? Like at the end of the day, you're sitting in bed, TV's off, about to go to sleep. Are you cool with who you're hanging out with? Or like, do you want to turn on the TV and not be inside your brain? Yeah. And I mean, and that's not to say that I'm like, oh, I went through all of this stuff and I grew and like now my brain is great. Because it's, I mean, it's a roller coaster <laughs> ride every day, you know, every like day. every day. And I mean... It's a daily, I wake up in the morning, I'm like, all right, vibe check. What's my brain doing today? You know, are we having a good many, brain day, many, a bad brain day? How many times do I wake up with a text from you saying, vibe check? How are we doing today? <laughs> right. Because you know what? It is. It's it's an up and down for, for everyone. Not yeah. just the two of us. Not just, you know, for everybody. And so. Right. And so, PSA, check on your friends. Like, not just the ones that you know go through stuff. Like check on your strong friends too because everybody's got stuff we're going through and not everybody's good about talking about it and I think uh Liz there are some things you wouldn't talk about if I wasn't like how are you and you were like I'm great I'm like but how are you really and then made you talk about it and yeah, you know well. and sometimes it's you're like I don't want to talk about it you know like not having a great day not ready to talk about it that's fine but you know how to support your friends you right. know how to support the people in your life because we can't, I mean, you have to love yourself. You have to be cool with like being alone with yourself, but we can't do life alone. We're not meant to. No. We're meant to be around people, whether it's emotionally or physically, like we're just, we're meant to be in community with other human beings. And no. so, you know, you've got to have people in your corner that are like cheering you on that are just, they exist there whether you need them or not or want them or not, <laughs> you've got to like let well, them be there. That's, you know, and I've talked to you about this before too. Like that's something that I've struggled with a lot because of what I've been told that I'm a loner, that I don't, you know, I'm quiet, whatever. Yeah. I had this perception of myself that I didn't need other people. Mm-hmm. I'm happy alone. I'm happy by myself. Mm-hmm. I'm happy just being me. Yeah. And that is true a majority of the time. I do, you know, I have lived with other people. I have, you know, been in relationships and I do enjoy my quiet time, Mm -hmm. but I also enjoy, I had to learn and I had to change that perception about myself that I Mm -hmm. actually do enjoy the company of other people and that I actually do like hanging out with my friends. It's not this I have to go hang out with people. Sometimes it is, but that's just like a vibe, a mood. I'm just not in the mood to deal with people. But for the most part, I do like hanging out with my friends. I do like spending time with the people that I choose to spend time with. And that was something that I had to come to terms with and be like, no, dude, like everyone is telling you that you don't. And it's like this funny joke that everybody has that, oh, Liz hates everybody. No. And I, I even say it like, oh, yeah, I hate everybody. But no, I actually do love the people in my life. And I yeah. like to spend time with them. And, you know, 
we perceive that my, my quality, my, my love language is quality time. Mm-hmm. And I think that's actually true because I do like to spend uninterrupted time with people that I love and just getting to interact with them one-on-one. Yeah. Well, and I mean, that's, that's a big thing for me too. I, I went through and I re cause the love, if you haven't taken the love languages quiz, I encourage you to, it's pretty cool. Um, you can take it like when you get to the, uh, love languages website, you can choose like single in a relationship, married, whatever. And because I took it when I was single, I took it when we first got married, like I've taken it throughout our marriage and it changes because, um, what's funny is like my number one is quality time. Well, that was hilarious to me when me and Derek first got married because like, he's been on the road our entire marriage. Right. And so I was like, this is a joke. Like, <laughs> Cool, quality time. But, um, you know, I, I learned and grew through that of like, okay, quality time can mean different things. It doesn't have to necessarily mean we're sitting in the same room, but it's, you know, just making an effort to like communicate with each other. And then when he is home, spending time together, which we, we got to practice a whole lot of in the last year. <laughs> um, but, you know, like, it, I mean, it teaches me, it, it has taught me a lot about myself and in my romantic relationship, but also in my friend relationships and like how I can better love my friends and how they can better love me. Because, you know, if you don't, if you just, it's one of those things, like if you don't know that about somebody, you're not going to just actively be like, okay, well, here's a gift. Cause I think you might like gifts. You could be like, I don't, don't give me a gift. I don't like that. Just like sit in a room with me and like have conversation and yeah. that's my favorite thing in the whole world. Just like sit with somebody somewhere and just like sp- like be together, like spend time oh. together, which is yeah. hilarious because so many of the people that are closest to me don't like emotionally closest to me don't live here. So that's kind of funny. But I think part of that is because when I do get time with them in person or via FaceTime, like FaceTime dinner dates, you know, whatever, yeah. it's it's so much more special um right. and so I again I encourage you guys to go and do your little love languages quiz let me know what you are because I think I think stuff like that's fun like there's been people that have been uh like reaching out to me and telling me they took the Enneagram and this is their type and it's been so it's been cool to like get to know people on like that level and like learn more about them and like understand them better because I think it's important for us all to try to understand each other as best as we can. So, yeah. Yeah. And I think these tests give you an idea of how to not only better support your friends, but also kind of what you're dealing with and Mm -hmm. that things that they may not be able to express to you, um, what, you know, who you're dealing with, like in terms of, thoughts and perceptions that they have inside their own head that they would never be able to express to you. Um, but yeah, I definitely ask people and that may not a lot of people share it anyway, but like the Myers Briggs personality type, mm-hmm. that's big in my world. Yeah. It was really big up like for my master's program. So I like really got honed in on that, mm-hmm. but I am an INTJ, which is 2% of the population. Huh. And my, yeah, my, my, or my Enneagram is a five, which is also one of the rarer ones. So mm-hmm. I'm a rare, rare, rare. You're gem. like a unicorn. I am. And I don't know what that says about me, but here I am. Well, on that note, thank you, Liz, again, so much for taking time out of your day to sit down and talk about perception versus reality in your life and your story. This has been so much fun. Yeah. Thank you for having me. This has been great. So for those of you that don't know, um, I will be drawing a topic out of a jar, which is actually a Marc Gasol souvenir cup and not a jar, um, that will be the topic of the next week's podcast. So Liz, while I still have you here with me, I'm going to go ahead and draw so you can be the first to know. Okay. We'll shake it up. All right. Next week's topic will be dreams and passions. Achieving them, fear, and what is holding you back. Ooh, that's going to be so good. Well, we know you and your crazy dreams. (laughs) Listen, I don't know if we need to get in those kind of dreams yet. That's just, that's, that might be a whole episode on me and my vivid (laughs) dreams. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you liked this week's episode and you'd like to support the podcast, please subscribe, share it with your friends, post about it on social media or leave a rating and review. 
As always, you can find me on Instagram at Kelsey Klein and on Twitter at Kelsey underscore Klein. Thanks again. I'll see y'all next week.